Welcome to the Rally Point Podcast, where we equip you to support others. I'm Bobby Jackson. I'm Noah Throw, and today, Noah and I will be wrestling with the feeling of helplessness many leaders feel adjusting to the global pandemic. And we'll be providing some tools for you to feel more confident helping people in your ministry experience hope. So I feel like today's topic might be a little pertinent to ministry leaders uh, in today's day and age. Regardless of what happens in the future, it's always useful to be prepared for a crisis that interrupts our normal routines of ministry. You've had this uh, basically happen to you three times over, haven't you, Bobby? I mean, in your career, your company, and your counseling practice when this most recent pandemic came about. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I am balancing uh, quite a few different things. And so there's several different routines I've had to adjust based on the fact that the standards for interpersonal relationships and obviously group gatherings have changed so drastically. So in my counseling practice, we saw this huge dip right at first, the couple of weeks after the coronavirus started. Uh, people were staying home and um, insurance companies hadn't picked up yet. The telehealth stuff, then we started to do the telehealth thing and all of a sudden we were packed with people struggling with anxiety um, and, and um, fear of the unknown and all sorts of things. Um, and so we've had a waiting list ever since in our counseling practice. Um, and I think lots of people are just struggling to deal with the the change. It is, some of it is the actual... Um, effects of coronavirus, people knowing somebody who's gotten sick or passed away, um, and, and they're trying to figure out how to grieve in this in this time. And, and other people, it's just the, the fact that everything is so different. And, you know, they're, they're trying to figure out how to adjust to the new quote-unquote normal that's so unnormal. Yeah, absolutely. I think, like you said, one, one thing that's stressful is just adjusting to the new societal and global norms, just getting used to like wearing a mask has been super weird, not hugging people when you see them, having to organize game nights over like Zoom and stuff. But uh, really, I think the more difficult thing is finding out how we personally in our like daily routines that we've had for years or decades just just have to adjust. Yeah. And in, in the past, we've talked about the different quadrants of taking care of ourselves effectively, how we, we want to take care of ourselves socially and mentally and spiritually and physically. Uh, but this week, we're going to be talking about how to lead others through a pandemic or through a crisis when we're feeling so anxious and unsafe and, and unsure of ourselves. Yeah. So a lot of the people I spend time with say this is changed everything. You know, things are never going to be the same. And that's on a, a really global scale. So how do we kind of deal with this idea of global trauma that seems to be affecting just all of us as a society? Yeah. Yeah. I was on a, a webinar with, uh, with a man named Dr. Bessel van der Kolk, who is one of the world's foremost scholars on trauma. And he, he gave a, a fairly helpful framework um, in, in that webinar, uh, where he talked about the, the conditions we're in are the preconditions for trauma. Like we use the phrase trauma and we kind of throw it around, 
uh, a lot. But mm. where we are, we're not all necessarily traumatized by yeah. coronavirus. Uh, but the, the situation in life is like rife with opportunity for us to be yeah. traumatized. Sort of fragile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we, we've been immobilized, we're stuck, um, and there's nothing that we can do to change the situation, right? Like the, mm -hmm. the government's telling us to do one thing and we're getting different voices from friends. So some people are, are on one extreme and other people are on another extreme. Um, but all of us are feeling trapped, um, no matter which extreme you're on, you feel you feel a little bit trapped yeah. um, and you lose your sense of agency. Yeah. And so when we lose the sense of agency, when we get stuck, when we feel trapped, the normal response is to fight or flight, right? Like that's what we talk about, um, yeah. the, the response to a scary situation, uh, mm -hmm. to a trauma. Our adrenaline um, is released and our body wants to, to fight or flight and uh, the problem is with the current situation, flight is not available. Like yeah. we literally have all been asked to self quarantine, um, and so what we're what we're left with is fight. That's what's available, and so this is a time where re really we're at risk of getting angry and and even committing violent acts. So there's been a lot of data coming in from China and Spain and France, the early countries to experience this that domestic violence rates have gone up actually locally. Our own domestic violence rate in the city I live in is up 50% over last year. Wow. We're having to deal with a lot of family violence because we have our adrenaline come out, our stress hormones are coming out and they're telling us to do things, to move, to protect and to take care of ourselves. So we have to understand uh, first in order to not be traumatized by these conditions that we need to use up the energy to mm. do things. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that, that idea of like energy, um, building up as, as anxiety. And we could even see that in other people as this pandemic began. And even if we couldn't vocalize it, you saw people saying like, I'm going to go and I'm going to buy all these weights because I know that I need to keep working out to stay healthy because if I don't, I'm going to, I'm going to have all this energy pent up or um, I'm just going to have to try to deal with this alone and, and I just can't do mm -hmm. that. And so it's strange how quickly our lives have had to adjust to yeah. this new routine of living. And there's this underlying concern and unease with even everyday routines that could just at any moment be changed again based on um, the data that's coming in basically every day. And there's this weird new mm -hmm. culture even of having to, you know, we feel uneasy when we're just near other people, even if they're people we care about because we're not yeah. sure about you know, the potential implications of spending a lot of time near somebody because this is just um, kind of hidden under the surface. But when you when you talk about that energy and sort of uh, the fight or flight and the fact that we, we can't really do the flight, so we're caught up in the fight and there's that, uh, maybe that wrestling between getting rid of that energy. What are some proactive ways you could uh, get rid of that energy or, or healthy ways to get rid of it? Yeah. Just things we ought to be doing so that we can use that energy so it doesn't stay pent up, but we can use it in a way that benefits people or even benefits our, ourselves in the midst of this. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it is uh, important to realize that it is a natural phenomenon. We're not guilty of anything. Like, mm. We're not doing something wrong because we feel this way. Yeah. In fact, our bodies are responding appropriately. Um, it, what our bodies are telling us to do is that we need to stand up for ourselves. So there's nothing like overly in this in this instance like sometimes people will over spiritualize it or or tell yeah. us like you know you some kind of guilt about like oh i'm just feeling angry all the time yeah and the reality is 
that your body is simply telling you that you need to stand up for yourself. Mm -hmm. So we, we want to use those stress hormones to do things uh, that are physical and a lot of times like together things. So cook meals together and, and build houses or do house projects, things that you can actually see with your hands, um, gather food and, and cook it together, uh, work hard, shovel snow and, and, and things like that. And, and if you're married, I wouldn't encourage this of your students, but uh, you know, the act of making babies together and taking care of them is actually really, really good for you. <laughs> You're laughing because, uh, anyway, but it's true. It's, it's true. These are some of the healthiest ways that we can help uh, release that energy. We, we want to figure out how to self-regulate. And sure. that means, in a sense, releasing all this energy. Sure. Look, kind of learning to control um, like our emotions and, and our behaviors to you get rid of it in a productive way rather than rather than let it sit and continue to fester and add to that anxiety. Yeah. So one part is just getting the energy out. Um, but I think there's another part that you're you're hinting at, and that's like that's like the mental part of this. Mm. Like there's mm -hmm. a there's another level where the anxiety is still there because we're racing um with the thought of like I don't know what to do or I can't do anything or I'm so trapped or I'm feeling so down. Um, and so there's, there are some other kind of tactics I would take um, in order to stay in the moment and to stay mindful. So if you were to picture like an actual traumatic situation, almost always the person, when, when we deal with trauma, especially in counseling situations, it's almost always in instances where someone was actually trapped, like they hmm. could not get out. Right. So uh, yeah. there was a car accident and their door was pinned against them. Mm. Or um, there was actually a, a study done on kids um, who were in September 11th and the kids who were stuck underneath um, parts of a building or stuck somewhere and kids who were nearby and, and they and their parents were able to run away. And the kids who um, were able to run away, by and large, uh, they did not have PTSD because they were agents in their own rescue. Uh, whereas the kids who were stuck ended up with, with PTSD because they were stuck. And um, the diagnosis for those, those two groups was really different. So trying to figure out a way to actually be an agent in your own rescue is really critical. Mm -hmm. So my question, I think, to you would be, um, how do we encourage that in ourselves and, and keep ourselves accountable, I guess, to actively move away from that trauma? And then how can we as leaders encourage others to continue to move away actively from that trauma or actively engage with things that keep that at bay or process those feelings effectively. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, one of the things that we, again, we do in those traumatic situations is we tend to numb out to get stuck in, in the moment. And then we just shut off, right? Yeah. If we're trapped, we just shut off. And so the actions that happen when we get scared is fight or flight. And then the third one is freeze, right? And mm. in the freeze, this is almost always where trauma happens. Mm. And it's when our brain shuts off and we lose a sense of time and we lose a sense of agency and we lose a sense of the fact that we're around other people. Mm. So the next thing I would encourage people to do, I would encourage you to do if you're a listener or if you're a leader and you want to encourage people in your ministry is, is to really connect with other people. So what I mean by that is if you are lucky enough to live with other people in your house, I would encourage you to, to actually touch them or to snuggle with them. 
to do something with them where you have to make eye contact. So I, I think Zoom has actually been really helpful to people because we're able to really make make eye contact with each other and and kind of tune in. Another piece of that is is to actually notice yourself, asking yourself the question, what am I feeling right now? Is it right now? Is it past? Am I feeling something from something that's happened recently? Or is it the, the current experience? And so to tune in to your own to your own feelings. It's kind of like a like when you don't notice yourself, you're, you're acting like a chicken with its head cut off, like running around uh, like an automatic creature with that just does what any input gives them automatically. Like, and that's what we do when we're not using our thought brain, our prefrontal cortex, the part of our brain where we put thoughts and words uh, in place. We actually are acting just out of that fear, anger part of our brain, that amygdala part of our brain in the back of our brain. It's literally the same thing that a chicken is using when they're running around with his head cut off. So when we don't take time to check in with ourselves, to breathe, to wonder what it is that we're, we're feeling or thinking, and instead we're acting out of that anxiety or that, that fear, that anger, that irritation, we are literally acting like a chicken with his head cut off. <laughs> um, but once we observe what's going on inside of us, we are able to make choices on purpose. Mm. And, and I honestly think, and this kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier, this is easier done when there's someone there who can notice and name things uh, with us. So one person saying, this is what's happening to me, and somebody else saying, yes, that's what's happening to you. Yeah, absolutely. Having somebody reflect it back to you, even if it's mm -hmm. what you have just said, helps. it sort of helps you recontextualize it and then internalize it and kind of change that pattern of thought, even in yep. your own head moving forward. And yeah, that's yeah. absolutely yeah, essential, absolutely. And it's it's not mindfulness alone. A lot of people can do that that part and they'll get kind of, but they'll get stuck in like a, sh a self-shaming cycle mm. of like, I'm feeling yucky, therefore I am yucky, and therefore I'm worthless or something like that. But it's mm -hmm. it's mindfulness with self-compassion. Yeah. So understanding that we are made in God's image and that our feelings are not a mistake, they're God-given, that those mm -hmm. biological responses are God-given. So we are, uh, the response of fight or flight um, is actually a God-given safety mechanism and it's good for you and it's doing something to help you survive mm -hmm. and it's a way of coping obviously we can't always anticipate pandemics or disruptions on a global scale but we can prepare ourselves to respond to them effectively and to help others process through them in our churches and communities that's why rally point has developed the regroup program it's a curriculum that equips leaders to help hurting kids in their ministry find healing. Having a way to think and process pain and anxiety is especially relevant today. And the regroup curriculum helps students develop their own way of processing pain by combining psychological methods with tools of confession, identity formation, and forgiveness made possible by Jesus. You can get started or find out more by visiting rallypointmen.com regroup. You know, often when I'm when I'm talking to volunteers or leaders or students or even myself as I'm processing through things, we we have those moments where we apologize maybe and we say, I'm sorry, but I'm just feeling really blank and we kind of talk about it. Mm -hmm. And especially in times when um, we freeze up and just start reacting instead of taking moments to think about things, we usually go back and we kind of say, oh, 
I feel really bad that this happened, it, you know, if I could have done something different. But I think what you're saying um, is really helpful in just realizing like, hey, you know what, that anger or maybe that frustration or maybe that that drive that I just had to move forward really quickly, maybe even without thinking, is a good thing in the concept of the system in the moment reacting is sometimes something we may push against. But the system itself is actually a really good thing and a blessing mm -hmm. because when we are in those difficult situations, that system is part of what moves us out of those traumatic experiences or out of those unsafe places into yeah. safer, safer places in the future. And yeah. especially like when you talk about talking to somebody else and processing, being able to see those parts of yourself and acknowledging what those things have done for you in order to help you survive or get out of difficult situations and seeing that this has been a way of coping effectively with some things mm -hmm. that are honestly just huge. You think about what's going on now and you think about the fact that there's a lot of people who are anxious or maybe uneasy and that we don't want to be anxious or uneasy, but that those emotions are actually beneficial because they're allowing us to recognize that I am worried for other people. Like I am concerned about what's happening. I want this to get better. I want to be a part of the solution because hmm. we're anxious about what's what's going on here. And that's, yeah, I think that's that's really useful. I think one other thing you mentioned that is just really valuable is recognizing that when we feel ourselves freeze, you know, mm -hmm. we have the option to act differently rather than maybe immediately responding in the moment when we become cognizant of the fact that, okay, I have just a couple of seconds here to actually make a decision that I know is going to affect me going forward. It's really valuable to be able to just recognize that and then um, act effectively based on those just those couple of seconds that you have to make a key decision. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When we realize what's going on in our bodies, when we realize the act, act of realizing gives us a choice. So it's not a point of, of shame to be like, oh, I was angry. It's it, as soon as you realize, oh, I was angry, you all of a sudden have a, an option about what to do. Mm -hmm. When we act in the moment, that's usually when we don't have a choice. We're just riding. Yeah. We're riding the emotion or the feeling. And one other piece of, of all this is with that freeze emotion, we actually lose our sense of time. So we, uh, the way I, it's been described that, that I find helpful is in that moment, we often, the world turns black and white. We just, we lose like sense of color and space and time and connection. And so when we are in the process of being traumatized, we feel like it's going to last forever. Mm. And so my encouragement for you in this, in these kinds of moments is to intentionally notice that time is changing. So when you are taking the time to pray and in one moment you're praying and in the next moment you're distracted thinking about something else and you're tempted to feel embarrassed or ashamed of that, mm. uh, I'd encourage you to see that as a positive thing because that moment is different from the previous moment, is different from the next moment. And your thoughts are shifting from thing to thing mm. and that makes every moment different. And the reason I encourage you to think that way is to, to notice that when we are cognizant that time is changing. That's one of the most resilient things we can do to battle potential trauma. Every moment is different from the next. And that gives us some agency too. I can change this. Mm. 
I can go forward. It's what is happening today is not necessarily uh, what is going to happen tomorrow. And in fact, I can, I can be an agent in changing what happens tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. So thinking about the fact of like, I can be an agent and I can Mm -hmm. sort of control what happens tomorrow, at least personally in my life. How would you say we can process and then actively move forward to make a plan to maybe feel Mm -hmm. stable or to create a place of safety for Mm -hmm. ourselves so that we can just continue to Mm -hmm. function or have some of those safe or comforting routines that are constant Mm -hmm. in the midst of maybe that uneasiness or anxiety. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, again, we need to remember that as humans, God made us with bodies and there are things that actually soothe us. So I don't know, like for you, what are some of the things that you do to self-soothe or self-care physically? Yeah, just spending time outside, breathing deeply, Mm -hmm. taking walks. I think I've mentioned previously that exercising, and so part of that is the walking, the biking, Mm -hmm. really reading, becoming engrossed in something that is stimulating but safe. So reading a book, watching movies with people, and then honestly... I'd say connecting with others, you know, that I trust, that I value, really creates that um, sense of safety, stability, and health because uh, I not only know that they're there, they've been there in the past, but they're here in the moment right now for me, Mm -hmm. which I think really uh, enhances my sense of uh, comfort, safety, Mm -hmm. and then definitely, like you said, it's soothing in a a strange way. It sounds strange to say that, but it, there really is something subconscious or, or even conscious sometimes when you have somebody in the room with you reflecting, listening, or just communicating with you, saying mm-hmm. kind of like you were mentioning earlier, Zoom has been just incredibly effective at creating those connections in the moments when we still can't be maybe in the room with each other because we can still see each other, hear each other, look for reactions. Um, mm-hmm. and, and even have that face-to-face or, or eye contact that is so reassuring with people that we yeah. care about. Yeah, I think there's a kind of a two-part balance for me with that. So one is, one thing that makes me feel safe is touch. Mm. Like, uh, so with my wife, like having her um, touch me intentionally, spending time cuddling, physical sensations, same thing with my kids, like having them climb all over me and, that sort of thing. And I would encourage you, those of you that live alone, to intentionally uh, feel the sense of touch from yourself. So doing yoga, stretching, giving yourself hand massages um, or foot massages or, or things like that. But for sure, one of the things is touch. And then the flip is sometimes I'm over touched because I'm pinned with people and, I, and I'm like, ah, they're always there. They're always around. Uh, so the other, the other swing on that pendulum is privacy, having, uh, the ability to be alone. And I think every person needs a place where they can withdraw. So, uh, in our family, we, we make an agreement that there's a special room where you cannot be talked to or touched. And, and even if you live in a smaller space with other people, I think you can, you can choose a chair or an an area where you you are allowed privacy. Yeah, I was just going to say that's a really good point. I know that, you know, sometimes my family knows that um, we'll all say that, like, I'm going to go take a nap. But Mm -hmm. what that really means is I'm going to go spend time 
in my room alone and I don't want to be disturbed. And so sometimes that literally just means I'm in my room doing exactly what I would do in the living room. I'm just spending time recalibrating for myself, but having that space to go where you know that you can become aware of yourself and then kind of recalibrate in in a healthy and and safe way is is effective. And I know even you as a pastor had... Uh, you know, special times in your office where you would shut Mm. the door and be praying or be preparing for something when it was sort of like, Mm. that is his sacred space right now. I know for me, it was visiting the the prayer closet and saying, before Mm. I go into the church, I'm going to go to the prayer Mm. room that is separate from the building to kind of have that space to prepare myself, prepare my heart for what we're what we're about to do. So that's yeah, that's yeah. extremely valuable. Yeah. That's a good point to, to prepare for times of in like ministry, the intensity of caring for other people. Mm-hmm. It's important to to take the time to check in on yourself. Um, there's one one more piece of that being like that connection for people who are traumatized and the need mm-hmm. to to connect with their body is so important because traumatized people often feel unsafe inside of their body. Because of Mm. previous traumas, uh, their brain is wired to be afraid of lots of things, and they see lots of things as a threat. It's kind of like if you've ever been attacked by a tiger, the next time you see a pet tiger, you would most likely feel something that the rest of us wouldn't feel. Most traumatized people have lots and lots of those kinds of triggers. And so they feel constantly bombarded by visceral warning signs. Mm. And often in an attempt to control these these warning signs, they become experts at ignoring their own gut feelings and in numbing their awareness. Mm. Uh, so they learn to hide from themselves. And so if, if that's you and you've experienced trauma, trauma before, it's, it's even more important for you um, to be... Uh, in touch with your sense of touch. And that's that's one of the, the most helpful things in kind of releasing that past trauma. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I just want to take a moment and say if, um, if you're anyone listening to this or you are somebody listening who knows of someone who might be a victim, I would encourage you. Physical violence or domestic violence. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I would say do not wait uh, for this to get worse. Even sometimes people second guess and they try to find explanations for why would they do this, or maybe they had a good reason. But right now, if you're saying this is something that is going on as physical or domestic violence, there are a couple of resources you can go to right now, uh, this moment. You can call 1-800-799-SAFE. That's the National Domestic Violence Hotline. So it's just a phone number that provides help and immediate response to domestic abuse. There's um, their website, thehotline.org slash help which you know allows you to contact trained advocates to get help with those situations. Or there's the crisis text line, which is 741-741. And this is where you can connect with trained individuals who help you navigate through those situations and help you make a plan to, to get out of those situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it is more common than we think. About a third of all households experience physical violence at some point. And so it's not, you're not alone. Um, and and it, it really is important to get help. It it doesn't mean it's going to ruin your family life forever. It means that you're going to get help. And that's kind of the objective of, of those resources. Yeah. So if there's one thing we could take away from what you're saying, Bobby, it's that rather than the option of flight, we need to learn how to take the option 
of fighting in a healthy way. We need to take the time to tune into our feelings, recognizing that those are okay to feel and make sure we process them in order to move forward. As we have gone about processing the pandemic and some of the effects it has on our churches, it is stunning to me that almost every person I know is dealing with some sort of anxiety. And it's really critical for each person to process that stuff, or it's going to come out in a yucky way that that might cause them to hurt someone else or to feel embarrassed or to feel ashamed. And so it, it really is critical for each person to find a way to process. And my hope is that leaders also can help others find that process. Yeah, absolutely. And I think in that process, it's valuable to know that some of those emotions that people might refer to as negative can actually be really helpful. And so expressing those things, saying, I was angry, and even recognizing those things is, is really helpful in acknowledging it and moving forward. Hey, we've actually got a great resource for you. It's a downloadable mental health check-in tool that you can use for yourself, you can give to a loved one, or you can walk through with people in your ministry. To get that check-in tool, go to rallypointmen.com slash podcast and subscribe with your email. You'll get a link where you can download this resource and get others that we've created just for you. If you are already an email subscriber, the link to this resource is in your inbox already. And if you like what you heard today, please rate or review this podcast. Please tell us how this episode helped you or what challenges you're facing that we could cover by sending us an email to hello at rallypointmen.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we're looking forward to joining you again next week.